Coming up on Nurse Talk, top 10 healthcare facts you should know before open enrollment and the midterm elections. The largest U.S. nurses union joins U.K. labor leader Corbyn to demand healthcare justice. And a little humor to take the sting away. All of this and more today on Nurse Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with Healthcare in America's senior correspondent and now one of our co-hosts, Donna Smith. Donna, thanks for being with us today. And you are now officially on the air from your new Nurse Talk Rocky Mountain studio. I love that. That's right, Casey. It's a pleasure to be with you. And let's also take a moment to thank all of our listeners on Progressive Voices Tune In the Tom Hartman program, and all of our broadcast platforms. Well, Donna, we have a great show today, and in a few minutes, we're going to talk with RN and co-president of National Nurses United, Jean Ross. Jean is a frequent guest on Nurse Talk, and in her capacity of co-president of the nation's largest organization of nurses, she travels throughout the country and the world working on behalf of RNs and their patients for safer hospitals, safe patient staffing, collective bargaining, and expanded and improved Medicare for All in the U.S. Casey, Jean also recently accompanied NNU Executive Director Bonnie Castillo to the U.K. to visit with Labor Leader Jeremy Corbyn at the World Transformed Conference in Liverpool. I love that title, The World Transformed. That is so what we need today. Absolutely. We're going to find out more about that visit, but first, Donna, I want you to take a look under your desk. Find the red button and press it if you think we need some laughter. All right, here I go. (laughs) See, you look relaxed and natural there. Philip, that's a Madame Tussauds waxwork. The real me would never be standing next to Boris and smiling. Could be worse. They could have put you next to Trump. (laughs) Oh, Philip, it's not funny. Bonnie Castillo, RN, and Jean Ross, RN, executive director and co-president, respectively, of National Nurses United, the largest union of registered nurses in the United States, joined forces last month with British Labor Party leader Jeremy Corbyn at the World Transformed, TWT, a festival in Liverpool, England. The RN union leaders called for a new era of change and warned against the dangers of privatization of public social services. The commonality of our struggles is very clear. Ours is to gain health care justice and yours is to keep it, said Castillo. In both our countries, all the institutions that serve the common good are under attack. Jean Ross spoke about nurses' efforts for a public health care system in the U.S., popularly known as expanded and improved Medicare for all. Given their commitment to advocate for their patients, said Ross, NNU nurses have led the way for decades in the fight for a just and fair health care system that includes everyone and in making Medicare for All a hot-button issue for the U.S. elected officials. With us is RN and co-president of National Nurses United, Jean Ross. Jean, welcome to Nurse Talk. So great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. First, tell us about the World Transformed Festival and how and why it came to be. Well, I think uh, they were emboldened and enlivened what with uh, Jeremy uh, Corbyn taking leadership of the Labor Party. He was sort of like their Bernie over in the mm-hmm. UK. And it spurred new groups there. Um, and thankfully, a lot of young people um, who have ideas that are near and dear to our hearts here in this country. One of them is called Momentum, and they were founded in 2015. And then uh, NEON, which stands for the New Economy Organizers Network. 
and they work to connect people and organizations in the movement to build uh, leaders, just as we do here. Brilliant. And who came up with that World Transformed? I love the title. I think they all had a hand in it. I'm not sure, but truthfully, it is a very apt name because that is what we're all trying to do is transform this world and the way in which it works to the betterment of people who work for a living. And it's so wonderful, Jean, that you went to England because you're right. We are under the same struggles. We're trying to get the system they have, and they're trying to hang on to the system they have. Yes, and unfortunately, it's, well, it's multinational corporations, but so many of them that had um, started here in our country, and instead of other countries that have these wonderful single-payer systems rubbing off on us, we apparently have a pension of ruining it for everybody else. So, Jean, talk about the similar issues that's facing both the U.S. and the U.K. in this, in this fight for health care. Well, to start with, I guess you'd have to look at this awful austerity movement that's been um, prevalent for so long now, and well, really across the globe. And the fact that it's, it's killing countries, it's literally killing people, doesn't seem to stop them because the moneyed powers that be want this. So if you look at a system like the national health system in the UK, they've got, um, they've got power, just as we do a little bit here with VA system, to uh, use our group purchasing power to decrease the, the rates of big pharma. But as long as someone like us is there and we remain in this for-profit system, big pharma can continue to gouge us and not just us, but other companies too. We need to really get rid of that and get rid of those insurance companies whose motive is solely profit because it's taking all the funds. And in the UK right now with the austerity system and their um, desire to privatize, what they're doing is forcing the UK to take steeper and steeper cuts And, of course, what happens is the same thing that happens here in our country. People don't get the services they need. Services delayed. People die. And so there's this constant, continued starvation of funds. So one of their main goals is to uh, remove the international uh, companies that are for-profit and the ACOs. And then we have to battle big pharma and reinstate the budget for the NHS. That's a lot to get done. Uh, and what, Jean, talk a little bit about what you shared at the festival about our current health care system. Well, I'll tell you what. I started by just talking about how awful it is and that people are literally dying here because we are in the, the last throes of the for-profit system, in my opinion. So the only place left to uh, gain money from is to deny people care. Jean, I heard you mention uh, earlier that you believe that our system, our market-based and greed-based system, is in its uh, dying throes, we can hope. Mm-hmm. But as the United Kingdom struggles to keep the NHS uh, from being privatized, what do you think the future really is for us with health care, and specifically for Medicare for All in this country? Well, I think, and especially since we work together with other countries like the U.K., um, it's becoming more and more apparent. If you look here, look at uh, the run-ups to even the midterms. I mean, it's not a presidential election this year, but the midterms, every progressive candidate has to have at the top of her or his list Medicare for All, a new and improved Medicare for All. And there's a reason for that. And we knew that as nurses just anecdotally, but apparently 
according to polls, it's now true. And it's that it crosses party lines. It doesn't matter what you believe or what party you say you're from. People believe that health is a basic human right. The majority of people believe that. Plus, I think they can see that even if you considered yourself one of the well-off before, well, every few months and every year, your premiums are going to dictate to you that you can't afford the care you once had. So people are ready for it. I think this is a real tipping point. And I think we're going to have to guard very, very carefully against schemes that sound Medicare for all like. Yes. And I think that that's true even of our Congress people who right now say they believe it. The minute you get into um, tests, co-pays and things like that that have become so popular, unfortunately, over the years here in this country, the minute you start looking at guidelines and tests of who's eligible, when we say for all, we mean for all. Take away all of those things. And so we have to guard very carefully against those kinds of ideas. Jean, anything else that you'd like to share with us? Well, I would just tell people to continue to work with us, look to us. We still are leading the charge here in this country, and we will be continuing to meet with those wonderful folks that we met in the U.K. We have, we've been to Cuba. We are setting up trips to um, Canada and Taiwan, and we are le- learning all we can about the different various kinds of systems. And it doesn't matter which way they run it, which country you're talking about, with a single-payer system. People's lives are saved, and they save money, and we should expect no less in our country. Thank you, Jean. You're welcome. We've been talking with RN and co-president of National Nurses United, Jean Ross. For more information on this topic, visit nnu.org or nursetalksite.com. And we'll be right back with the top 10 healthcare facts you should know before open enrollment and the midterm elections. You're listening to Nurse Talk Radio. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Do you ever listen to the news and feel like you have no idea what people are even fighting about anymore? Want to know more about America's healthcare system? Let's talk about it. In a single-payer healthcare system, one entity pays for everyone's health insurance. The single-payer we're talking about here is the government. We, the people, pay taxes, and the government uses that money to pay for our health insurance. So, lots of people, only one payer. Single-payer doesn't mean that the government can't contract with private companies or that all healthcare providers are owned by the government, but it means that the government, instead of private companies, is your insurer. And if you're a resident, you're covered, regardless of health status, employment, or income. Right now in the United States, we have a multi-payer system. You've probably heard about it. It's kind of a mess. We pay a mix of private and public entities for health insurance, like how you might pay through your employer who takes money out of your paycheck to pay a health insurance company. Or maybe you enrolled in government health care through the Affordable Care Act. On top of all that, we still pay deductibles, premiums, and co-pays out of pocket. If this sounds confusing, it is. Nearly 30 million Americans don't have health insurance at all. And it's expensive. Those of us who do have it spend about twice as much for health insurance in America as people do in any other developed country. You might have heard about Medicare for All. That's a single-payer bill that would enroll us all in an upgraded version of our current Medicare system. Bernie Sanders says it will save $2 trillion over a 10-year period. And it proposes that costs for everyone will go down, including for hospitals and doctor's offices. So what's the problem? 
Well, for one, a lot of people don't like the idea of having the government more involved in their lives. Some people also think that a subsidized healthcare system will result in massive wait lists for life-saving treatments. Health insurance companies really don't like single-payer because it means they'll get paid less. Whichever way you might feel, you can't vote for or against a candidate who likes or doesn't like single-payer if you don't know what it is, right? Now you know. Senator Bernie Sanders recently said that the fight for universal and comprehensive health care is the civil rights battle of our time. He's right. This is an historic battle of the will of the people against the most powerful special interests in the nation. Many polls have shown that we, the people, favor a single-payer plan two to one, but we need your help to win this fight. Go to CaliforniaOneCare.org and sign up now. California One Care. Full care for all for less. We are a company approaching 200 million in sales. We have 160 employees in the United States in various locations. And what we have seen is that healthcare has been a runaway cost. This cost is about 18% of our economy, of our gross domestic product. It detracts from our ability to hire employees and retain employees and it is a disincentive for us to grow our businesses in the United States. So that's a really serious problem. And we're competing with other economies, other modern industrialized countries, Western European countries, Canada, that have health care costs half of ours. Uh, you know, we were up in Canada, and it certainly doesn't get in the way there. We met a lot of conservative business people who embrace their single-payer model so throughout the country, we're seeing this initiative for single-payer emerge as a moral standpoint. Most of bankruptcies are a result of health insurance, people having health insurance and being penniless after one catastrophic event. We can't sustain this kind of system anymore, and we're not so inhumane as we want people to suffer without care, because unless we do some serious change right now, that's the direction we're heading in. The reality is we're going to have to fight to move forward, to move towards that day when we really provide universal health care to everyone. We believe that health care is the right for everyone. We're holding the line on our benefits, and we're holding the line for the other health care workers here. We're holding the line for our patients. We're holding the line for the nurses all over the country. We all deserve proper health care. This is what we deserve as citizens of America. All of these corporations, they're trying to take advantage of the economy. They're using that as the excuse. We are nurses, so we cannot diagnose, prescribe, or treat. But listen to us anyway, because we like to talk. <laughs> Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with co-host and Healthcare in America senior correspondent Donna Smith. Well, that music can only mean one thing. It's time for Healthcare in America with Donna Smith. Donna, welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Casey, and trusting me in this expanded role as one of the co-hosts. I'm really enjoying it. Of course. I trust you more than I trust myself, so it's all good, Donna, because you know more than I do. <laughs> so before we get started on the news, would you share with our listeners how you came to be a national healthcare for all and social activist? Sure, uh, absolutely. I spent a, an awful lot of years fighting, uh, like so many Americans do, 
to get access to healthcare in a quality way and and was so frustrated over that. And in 2007, Michael Moore made a movie uh, called Sicko. And my husband and I were one of the people featured in the film. And, and interestingly, I usually tell people being in a Michael Moore film is not something people aspire to do in life. It <laughs> usually true. means something pretty terrible has happened to you. <laughs> yes. And such was the case for us. The healthcare system had just gutted us, even though we've always had insurance. And shortly after I was in the film and uh, the nurses were traveling around the country, uh, the nurses of NNU traveling around the country doing bus tours and so forth to promote uh, Medicare for All, uh, they were generous enough and gracious enough to ask me to, to tag along with them a few times and eventually hired me to work for them. So I spent five years working for NNU and pushing for Medicare for All all over the country. I hit, I think, 48 states, uh, Canada and Australia on behalf of the nurses. So it was quite, quite a road to travel. Very much so. Here's our top 10 healthcare facts leading into open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act and for Medicare. There are different time periods and before the midterm elections. For Medicare, I'll just give the dates first. For Medicare, open enrollment is already underway and runs until December 7th. For the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, that open enrollment doesn't open until November 1st and runs through December 15th, just to confuse all of us. Mm -hmm. So here we go with the top 10. Uh, Number one, you can change your Part D, your drug coverage plans, or adjust your supplemental coverage from now until Pearl Harbor Day. And that is, for those in the younger set, uh, December 7th for people who don't uh, associate December 7th with Pearl Harbor. Uh, So get online. You can go to Medicare.gov. You can go many, many, many sites have ways for you to check out uh, Medicare plans. Open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act, as I said, runs from November 1st to December 15th. And even though the Republicans would love to completely dismantle Obamacare before then, it hasn't happened yet. So spread the word. Be a health care voter. Number three is be a health care voter. Uh, the midterm elections, in case you've been living under a rock, are coming up on November 6th, and they have enormous implications for all of us and for our access to health care coverage. Make sure everyone you know is registered to vote now, since many states have cut off dates for registration. Not everybody allows motor voter when you go in and, and register at a motor vehicle registration. So So find out where your voter registration is and encourage people to get registered. All right, number four, don't trust anything Donald Trump tries to say about how he's going to protect Medicare. He won't. He plans to privatize it. And along those same lines for number five, don't trust that Donald Trump will protect people with pre-existing conditions from losing their health coverage. He won't. He lies when it serves him, you know that, and your health is too important to trust it to someone who cannot be trusted. So make sure along those lines, and and Casey, I know you and I have talked about this before, along those lines, make sure that people get insurance now. It's harder, it's much harder for Trump or anyone else to take away something you already have than to just not give you something you never, never knew you, you had. Number six, when you speak to younger people about voting, 
and about being a healthcare voter. Don't be afraid to talk about why you're a healthcare voter and tell them why you believe healthcare is a human right. For instance, Casey, if you were talking to a younger voter, why would you tell them you're a, you believe healthcare is a human right? Because I've spent 40 years in the business and seen the fact that, you know, they say now, if we go to Medicare for all, oh, not everybody's going to get the care. Not everybody gets the care now. And it's heavily slanted to those who can pay, get services, and those who can't, don't. And pre-existing conditions is the number one thing they're going to go after. Insurance companies don't want to pay once you've been sick. Well said. And I, you know, I think if we can be that clear with young voters, I think they start getting it, why it matters so much to us. You know, along those lines, and number seven, please pay attention to state candidates as well. And I often call the people in Washington uh, right now Trump-publicans because I, I don't want to allow the Republicans who are siding with this uh, man in the White House to distance themselves from him. So as the Trump-publicans mess around with our health care policy in Congress and make changes that could drastically affect all of us, it matters more than ever who you've elected as your state leaders, because they may have to step up and protect people with solid state policies from those forces that are coming out of Washington right now. So that matters a lot. Number eight, don't trust that what candidates say before the midterms or before any election is actually what they're going to do once they get elected. That is not a given. We must, all of us, hold them accountable once they've been elected. Make sure that they stay. If they say they support Medicare for all, they darn well better be co-sponsors of those bills very shortly after they get in office. Well, not only that, but if they've run before and they're now changing their tune and saying they're going to go with Medicare for all, look at their voting. Look at how they have voted in the past. Absolutely. And we've had so many situations where we will have a candidate tell you exactly what they're going to do. They're going to be all about health care. They're going to be all about making sure that our climate and our water and our air are healthy for us. And then they get in office and the forces of the lobbyists come to play on them. And we have to be very active citizen lobbyists with them and remind them over and over and over again, we are actually the ones that give them their jobs not the lobbyists, whether they like it or not. Um, it, like I, I live in Colorado, so right at the moment we are seeing political ads that are unbelievable in the number of them. So commercials are probably not the best place to get information. Go to some forums, talk with these people directly, and get them on the record what they stand for. Number nine, I think this is so important for all of us. When somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Maya Angelou was the first person who said that, I believe, in a poem that she wrote. But no matter what Trump says about Democrats wanting to destroy your Medicare and Social Security, it's not true. That's gaslighting, folks. That's telling you white is black and black is white and light is dark and dark is light. It's just the opposite. His USA Today piece this week about Medicare for All was so full of misinformation and bad facts. Talk about fake news. Whew. Voters ought to be wise to his tactics by now, but we can't trust that they are. It is beyond inexcusable for the President of the United States to lie and mislead people about something as vital as Medicare and health care and Social Security, but he does. 
and USA Today, who I do believe carried that article, I'm sorry, you should be fact-checking your work. That's ridiculous. Yep, so true. I mean, there's so many of us when we read that that just shrieked with disbelief that, first of all, the pre- he didn't write it. I think we all know that. Donald Trump did not write the piece, whether it was Sarah Sanders Huckabee or Huckabee Sanders or whomever it was who wrote that piece, wrote it inaccurately. And you're so right, Casey. USA Today had a bigger responsibility there, I believe, as well. Number 10, Improved Medicare for All is the answer to our health care dysfunction. We have to ask candidates and get them on the record supporting this critical plan. And then we have to make sure that we get to the polls and hold up our end of the deal and make sure that others do too. If every one of us took one person with us to the polls who has not voted in the past, it would make an enormous difference. We hear over and over again that Donald Trump did not win the last election and Hillary Clinton did not lose it. And no matter what you feel about all of those that situation, the people who did not vote are the ones who won it, it, who won in terms of raw numbers, but created a loss for all of us. So get get to the polls and be ready to vote in an informed way. And I cannot say, as somebody, I've been insured for the better part of my life because I've been a nurse and had health care through my jobs, but I am desperately waiting for Medicare. And everybody I know who's approaching their 60s is hanging on to get to Medicare because that gives you the best coverage out there. Absolutely. I mean, take a take a look at me. For instance, I'm 63 and 11 months. I will be 64 next month. And we are literally counting down the months until I will be eligible for Medicare, in part, not just because of the cost of premiums and copays and deductibles, but because of the threat of going after people with pre-existing conditions that Trump has made so frequently, and because of the lawsuit that we talked about last show, when we talked about the lawsuit in Texas that's been joined by 20 different states trying to challenge the Affordable Care Act and end pre-existing condition coverage for so many millions of people. As I understand it, 30 million people covered by coverage through the Affordable Care Act and or the expansion of Medicaid have pre-existing conditions. Think about that. 30 million people who currently are afraid they're going to be at risk and are doing exactly what I'm doing, the ones who are in their 60s, counting, hoping, praying that we make it to the point where we are covered by Medicare. That should be a big message to everyone. Absolutely. And Donna, I want to ask, uh, the opponents for Medicare for All, uh, you know, always uh, say that there's no way we can pay for this. So talk about how we can pay for this and that it is sustainable. Absolutely. And, and that is, you know, it is a ridiculous uh, argument to make, but it's very powerful because they throw it out all the time. The reality is last year, according to the Centers for uh, Medi- Medicare Services, they talk about the fact that the United States is spending over three trillion with a T dollars every year now on health care. So the reality is if we go to a Medicare for all program that's funded by an income-based premium paid by employers. Now this is what Bernie Sanders really envisions as a part of his bill as a way to pay for it. A 2.2% income premium paid by households. So think about that. 
2.2% of income. If you will add up right now, if you or me or anyone adds up what we're paying in premiums, co-pays, deductibles, and out-of-pocket expenses, and compare that for ourselves to a 2.2% premium that would be paid from our income, oh my gosh, do I save an enormous, an enormous amount of money. The reason Michael Moore included us in the film was not because we were so different than so many Americans, it's because we are so representative of so many millions of families in this country. My husband's supplemental coverage, my premium, my out-of-pocket expenses, we spend more than $1,000 a month on our just basic health care expenses, if nothing goes wrong, if there's no one gets sick, no one needs anything additional, I, can, I promise you, with a fixed income, with two Social Security incomes, one pension, and other very small income, one thought more than $1,000 a month, approaches being about 27% of our income. Think about how different it would be for us. You'll pay less, you'll get better care, and it's not that you're going to have to switch doctors. That's one of the major fear factor issues that gets thrown out. You're going to lose your doctor. Well, that's not at all true. If you look at Medicare recipients now, they can go to any provider, any physician, Almost almost every provider accepts Medicare because if they don't, they lose a significant stream of revenue. So if you look at that, their net, Medicare's network is huge compared to, let's take a for instance for me, I'm a Kaiser person. If you compare who I can go see with who someone on Medicare can go see, it's ridiculous. Thank you, Donna. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, sound design and engineering, June Miller and JMC Sound, Taylor Lockard, and research. And thank you to National Nurses United and all the nurses on duty. And of course, our listeners and our guests, take care and visit us at nursetalksite.com or like our Facebook page at Nurse Talk.